If you will, open your Bibles now to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. If you're visiting with us, know that we've been studying angels and demons over the past several months. We took a break for Mother's Day and then the creation conference last week, and we had the opportunity prior to that to start looking at the concept of angels and the and we started looking at facts regarding angels and that there's myriads and myriads and the countless numbers of these beings that were created and perhaps we think that they were there on the very first day and they were created good but then we realized that somewhere along the line these angels got taken away by satan who was the greatest being that was created from our studies in ezekiel 28 and isaiah 14 and that he, who was given many names that describe his viciousness, evil one, dragon, serpent, we now think of a serpent as being negative, we'll talk even more about that today, took perhaps, a th- well, we believe a third of them based on Revelation 12 with him. And as we studied Satan, we saw his ways, and our focus wasn't to be someone that is always looking to Satan, but hopefully driving us to a belief in Jesus Christ and a reliance upon Jesus Christ, him being the Savior, him being the one who's born again, I mean, who would cause us to be born again. We pray that you are thinking about your relationship with Jesus and focusing on him as we talk about Satan. Well, now as we move to the final section, we want to talk in our study of angels and, and, in essence, angels and demons. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare And we're coming to a passage that talks about the reality of what we face as believers in this life that we're living and how we have a battle against demonic forces. And from chapter 6, verse 10 on, (laughs) there's this focus on perhaps one of the more well-known, I often will say famous, well-known passages for believers about the believer's armor let me read as the apostle paul has been talking in the book of ephesians he's writing this book we know when he was in prison the first three chapters deal with the believer's position and he talks about all the blessings we have in chapter one he talks about the fact that prior to being saved we were controlled by satan and a lot of times you don't want to hear that but in chapter two verse one he talks about we were dead in our trespasses and sins and the prince of the power of the air controlled us so when satan said jump as unbelievers, the reality of it is, is we were saying how high. And, and, and then as he talked in chapter 3, how we've been brought together with Christ and the new man. And now as we come into chapters 4, 5, and then 6, there's the practice. So the book of Ephesians deals with the positions we have in Christ and then the practice. And it's been interesting because he's talking about our walk and he talks about how we need to operate in love. And then he comes to chapter 6, and all of a sudden he wraps it up with this exhortation. Verse 10, he says, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your 
your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel of which I am ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, he puts a lot of emphasis on this believer's armor and the concept of we have to have this armor on. A lot of times people will say, oh, this is all about, maybe many of your footnotes will have about the Roman soldier. But I tell you again and again and again, this is rooted in Isaiah. Isaiah 52, Isaiah 55, 59, 52 and 59, where the believer's armor is described. It's God's armor. I believe this is ultimately Jesus' armor. But obviously Paul, if he was chained to a soldier, would have been able to perhaps bring some of that element as well into the idea of what the Romans wore as soldiers into what, into what um, he would have seen in, put in this description. Now, when you talk about armor, you're talking about warfare, and I'll tell you, like, I would say for myself, if I had to be drafted, if I have to go into war, I would not want to go to war. I would not want to fight. I've been privileged in my life that I've not had to go into actual warfare. And, and that is something that, that I would have a disdain for. And I think the reality of it is, is most people are like that. We don't actually want to be in battle. And then we translate that into interpersonal conflict, interpersonal relationships where we don't want to have this going on. But the reality of it is, is God is telling us that we are in a world with conflict. And this is what you need to do as you interact in this world. And I'm telling you right now, if you say, I'm not going to fight, I'm not going to battle, if you're not putting this on, you are being chewed up. You are. And, 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 and the thing that I have thought of, I've been at Bible studies, I have taught this passage, and I don't know why in the world I don't, on a regular basis, sit there and say, okay, it's Monday morning, got to put on the breastplate of righteousness, gird myself up with truth. And I thought to myself, as we're going to be going over this the next few weeks, I'm asking you to start to think as I'm going to try and push myself through this and say to yourself on a regular basis, maybe it becomes something that could become habitual. How am I, look at, as we look at like verse, um, where is it? Verse 14, I'm going to gird myself with truth. I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel peace. I am going to take up the shield of faith. These are things I want you to be praying through over the next few weeks so that somehow, some way, this will make you stronger. John MacArthur writes, as Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, he, be, he, he was writing to a church that had dealt with a lot of spiritual battles. And so he, MacArthur wrote, when Paul first went to Ephesus, he immediately began to preach the gospel. He had led some disciples of John the Baptist to saving faith in Jesus Christ. 
And he spoke three months in a local synagogue and then in the school of Tyrannius. And he writes in Acts chapter 19, this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks, and God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. He led many Jews and Gentiles to the knowledge of Christ. And those, it says in the book of Acts, those who had practiced magic burned their books and the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing from verses 17 to 20. But he faced ongoing opposition. He was run out of the synagogue by unbelieving Jewish leaders in chapter, um, chapter 19, verses 8 and 9. He was mimicked by apostate Jewish exorcists in verses 13 and 16. He was threatened by Demetrius and fellow silversmiths whose idol-making business was suffering because of the work of Paul. So Paul here is dealing with people that are pushing back. And this is what we see. As we push forward, we get pushed back. And there's two things out of the context of Acts chapter 19. I want you to recognize this. Number one, that the people had magic books. And sometimes we think magic is all just trickery where we watch some of these people you know they can pull a rabbit out of a hat but we must always remember there is something to the reality of the of demonic forces and i think that we have to be aware of that we have to be aware that there are people that have ties into spiritual evil practices but then on the second hand there's the reality you'll see is that the stronger you are with the gospel the more you are going to face opposition. And the question for every one of you is, are you going to stand firm? Are you going to fight back? You know, last week we had the privilege at the creation conference to have Eric Mock here. And Eric told me, he said, you know, if you weren't here with us, he's a pastor in Illinois, but he also ha it works as a missionary. And he's over in the Ukraine a lot. He's over in Russia a lot. And he, says, he told me, he goes, Mike, wherever I go, if I ask a pastor, how is life going? And he says, everything's fine. He goes, I often know that man is not preaching the word of God. The clearer you preach the word of God, the more Satan comes after you, your family, your church, whatever. And I find that true for some of you, for you guys as well. The more you're faithful, the more you find, oh my goodness, now the passages that like, was it Luke 12, Luke 14, that where my family's divided, where I'm facing all these difficulties, I'm facing these hardships, where are these things coming from? The reality of it is, is that we are in a spiritual battle. And if you are not, if you are preaching the word of God, then Satan wants to stop you. He wants to shut you up. And, and you have got to understand this. But the re resolve is not for you to quit. I was going to use this in my conclusion. I think it's perfect for me to do it now. There, there's a, I think it's, it's a book... Um, called the, the War Between the States. It was written um, man, by, um, during the War Between the States, a man named Gary Redding told this story. He goes, a Union soldier from Ohio, yay Ohio, was shot in the arm during the Battle of Shiloh. His captain saw he was wounded and barked, give me your gun, private, get to the rear, right? You're shot, get out. Don't be up front. Give me your gun so we can use it. The private handed over his rifle and ran to the north seeking safety. But after covering two or three hundred yards, he came upon another skirmish. Then he ran to the east and into another part of the battle. Then he ran west but encountered more fighting there. 
finally he ran back to the front line saying, give me back my gun, Captain. There ain't no rear to this battle. There ain't no rear to this battle. When it comes to spiritual warfare, then the application is there ain't no rear. <laughs> you get that? Friends, there's nowhere to run. The battle rages all around us. The best we can do is place our faith in the awesome power of God and stand. In your, on your sermon notes, fill in the blank, why you need to put on God's armor. That's what we're going to focus on today, the word need, N-E-E-D. The Apostle Paul comes to verse 10, he says, finally. It's like he's coming to a, 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 a concluding subject, okay? It's, like, it's not the very end, because you can see there's many verses from verse 10 down to the last verse, verse 24. It's like, this is the main concluding subject, verse 10. Be strong. And here, from verse 10 to verse 13, is the first of three commandments. Be is a commandment, but it's a state of being. It's like, this is what I want you to be, but strong is the result i want you to be strong so like if i said to you be happy what would you do you know oh i'll just be happy well there is a sense where you can click and say i'm not just going to be discouraged or whatever i'm just but the reality of it is is for me to follow this commandment it's going to be that i'm going to have to follow the instructions that come up where i'm going to put on the armor of god so be strong in the lord and the strength of his might is a state of being, it's a command, it's not a choice, this is what, as a believer, you need to do. So when I tell you, over the upcoming days, I want you to regularly think about, am I girding myself with truth? Am I putting on the breastplate of righteousness? Am I shotting my feet with the gospel of the preparation of peace? A gospel of preparation. Am I doing these things? That you're going to be saying to yourself consciously, this is something I've got to do to gain the strength. Because otherwise, if you're not, then you're weak. And, and you're discouraged. And you're bummed out. Or you're giving in to sin. Or ultimately, you're not standing faithful as a Christian. Look at verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Powerful expressions. But he says, put on, and there's the second commandment, on the full armor of God. And there was this big Greek word, and there's, oh, golly, I can't remember the, the, the title because I didn't think it, any of you would matter because I've seen it before and I can't remember it. But there, there's a, this is all one big Greek word, full armor. It's like the complete package. God wants you not just to say, I'm going to put on a breastplate of righteousness. Oh, I'm just going to put on, gird my loins. This is everything. So I want you at least to grasp the idea that this is not something you can partially put one foot in, like you're dipping your foot into a, a pool of water and say, like, well, I'll, keep, I'll just keep one foot in, keep the other foot out, or I'll just dangle my feet in. God wants you to put the entire armor on. Again, second commandment, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, here's the interesting thing, like a goal. Stand firm, stand firm, hold your ground. If we jump down to verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist an evil day and have done everything to what? Stand firm. And then in verse 14, stand firm, stand firm. Stand firm is to hold your ground, but it also doesn't convey that you're just doing nothing. It's the fact that hold your ground in the sense that you're fighting so that you're not running so that you're not saying, oh, I give up on Christianity. Oh, I'm not going to church anymore. Or, I'm not going to be a part of this Christianity. 
If you come to that place where you just say, boy, I just want to be a Christian, but I'm not going to serve, or I'm just going to, I'm not going to be a part of a local fellowship. I'm going to stay at home and do my own thing. No. God wants you to be a part of a local body, faithfully serving and living and actively standing firm. Don't give up. He wants you to hold your ground. Satan wants you to give up. I want you to look at this expression. It was funny how... It was interesting to me how often that expression, stand firm, came up in the New Testament. And I thought, well, let's just look at two of them. Look at 2 Thessalonians. Look at, look at 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2, is it? I believe, yeah, chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians. Remember, the church at Thessalonica is facing, they're being beat up. They're being beat up. They're being persecuted. And the Apostle Paul is saying, look, the day of the Lord hasn't come in chapter 2. I want you to understand this is God's plan, the, the evil one. The Antichrist is going to come. And, and I want you to know in the end, we win. And when he comes down at the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, he comes and he concludes this argument. He says, so then, brethren, stand firm. And hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now, some people take that and twist that and they say, well, you know, the whole church is built off traditions. We light candles. We do this, that. Um, these are traditions that, that, that have been handed down. And so, therefore, we, we should practice them. We have, we have beads we can hold or we can light candles, like I said. That's not, I don't think, in the context, the traditions. I think the traditions is the word of God and the things that God wants us to be doing that is explained in the book of like 2 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians. How we pray without ceasing, how we rejoice always. Putting into practice those things that we are supposed to do. And the reason I wanted you to see verse 15 here is that I believe holding fast to the traditions is the explanation of how we stand firm. So that I don't want anyone to sit there and say, oh, I'm a believer and I'm just sitting at home and I'm just not doing anything. But I'm standing firm and still saying I'm a believer. That's not it. If you're saying I'm a believer and you're not involved in ministry, you're not standing firm because Satan has got you. Satan wants you to be a light. In, God wants you to be a light in the world. Satan wants you to put a cover over that light. Satan wants you to not come to church and not be involved and not serve and not witness. And, 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 and he wants you to give up. And he wants you to not hold your ground. He wants you to run. And if he will, as I was talking to Carl earlier, he finds whatever is important to you and he will put that to the test. I mean, goodness, we read Matthew chapter 4. What was Jesus? He was hungry. And so Jesus turned the rocks into bread. <laughs> no. Man doesn't live on bread alone. Jesus comes back. And then, then let's put God to the test. Jump off of the cliff. Jesus, no, we won't do that either. Because Satan had twisted the scripture. Well, then just worship me, Satan wants. Then you don't even have to go to this cross. No, Jesus says, Jesus would not give in. But listen, my point is, is that Satan always knew exactly what was the hot button for Jesus. Turn to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. The Apostle Paul is wrapping up this letter to a church that's dealing with so many issues, so many struggles, so many matters of, of service and biblical understanding. And I want to pick up in verse, I was at verse, um, 
He says, pick up verse 8, I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. For why door? 1 Corinthians 16, New Testament book, right before 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective service has been opened to me. And there are many adversaries. Many adversaries. People are coming against him. All right? So, verse 10. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid. Why? Because the reality of it is, is they want to kill Paul. They want to kill Timothy. They want to hurt people. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid. For he is doing the Lord's work, as I also am. See that no one despise him. Send him on his way in peace so that he may come to me. For I expect him with the brethren. Who's going to cause him problems? Maybe people from within the church. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encourage him greatly to come with you with the brethren. And it, and it was not all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. Be on the alert. Here's the verse you need to star. Stand firm in the faith. Hold your ground. Meaning, be involved in ministry. Continue to practice the things that we are doing. That we rejoice always, pray without ceasing, do the things that we're supposed to do. And then I believe it clarifies that act like men, be strong. Listen, in this day of feminization of men, there is a reality that God made man and God made woman and men are different. And God has it that men will be the strong ones. In scripture, God has typically called the men to go to war. Now, this is great because this isn't saying that women are wimps or weak because the women are being called to act like men here too, okay? In the sense that they are not supposed to give up in the battle and the fight. That they are supposed to act like men. And the idea here is, is that we are to hold our ground and be involved in ministry and be active. And this is something for you to think about. A man doesn't give up and cry and take his toys and say, I'm going home. This is, this is just too hard for me. And we have looked through church history where we showed that video. I'm showing you those T4G videos because they are bringing up the fact that many people have died for the simple word sola. Faith alone, Christ alone. And the reality of it is, is God holds doctrine as something worth fighting for. And people who get that understand it is worth dying for. So turn back to, second, to, to Ephesians, and I want you to see, as we work through this, as we work through Ephesians chapter 6, I'm trying to get you to understand the importance of needing, why you need to put on God's armor. And to, to summarize, is number one, it's commanded. It's commanded three times. First one, be strong, which is a command. Verse 11, put on. And then we jump down to verse 13, take up the full armor. The idea with the goal is that you need to resist because you do on your part, your responsibility, everything to stand firm. Because verse 11, there are schemes, there are plans that the devil is going at. He knows how to pull you down. He knows what will work. He, and that's what we're going to study as we're going to incorporate it over the next few weeks. His schemes, his plans. Things just don't happen. Well, it just happened that whatever was going to tempt you was there. These things are plans, there's schemes, there's efforts. And here, the second reason, not only is it commanded, it's because of the reality of verse 12. Verse 12, our struggle, our battle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood, he's talking about humanity. 
Now, this is where it becomes eye-opening. Against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, he begins to give us insight, perhaps the best insight since Daniel chapter 10. And if you're unfamiliar with Daniel chapter 10, you need to understand, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, is that Daniel, maybe I'll get it this morning, is that Daniel offers up a prayer. God sends I believe it's an angel, I think it's Michael, comes to him, can't get to him for three weeks because all of a sudden we realize there's a hierarchy of spiritual beings that are in a fight. And you think, come on, you're God. Can't you just answer a prayer and get quickly to Daniel? And now for the first time crystallized is this reality that there's a hierarchy that when we studied Satan, we said he cannot be omnipresent, meaning everywhere, that we're learning that there's these rulers, rulers, that they're, they're someone that has authority. Now, we, everyone, as I study this, they, they struggle on exactly how the hierarchy works, but we can just piece it together that there are people, that there are beings and the demonic forces that have some type of authority, rulers. So verse 12, rulers, and then there's powers. These powers have influence. When you think of someone strong, you think of they, they, they can get things done. They're powers. And the world forces, again, forces they can push and they bring in darkness. They bring in gloom. They bring in things that are bad. They think, bring things that are satanic. And then the spiritual forces of wickedness, they're corrupt, they're, they're twisted. Wickedness is a word that conveys that which is evil, that which is twisted. And, and so how these are working out, how they have their structures, how many are, are, are ordained over Hammond or Highland or Munster or Calumet City, I don't know. But we are told that they exist, and we are told that they have to be fought against. And the way you fight them is you put on the armor of God. You don't bind them. We've already studied this reality that the people who are on TV binding Satan are false teachers. If someone is on TV saying, I bind Satan, God has told us that is how you can tell those are false teachers because they don't respect the devil. To respect the devil in the sense of not honoring him, but understanding he was the created being who was given so much power. And you need to fear him in respect, not like a fear of God. And so we must understand the serious nature of this. Today's slideshow comes at the end. Someone get the lights. I want to show you this. We're going to do this real brief. Well, not. This is why we need God's armor. All right, tied in, this is verses 10 to 13. Spiritual for warfare is a reality. I like this, okay? Because we are in a war. And like I said, most of us don't want to be in a war. Most of us don't want to be in a battle. But if you can imagine, if this guy was fighting this guy, then, then all of a sudden, then what would happen is the fact that we would, we would be chewed up. And Grant, you're going to tell me it's gone? For good. Can you try? Okay. We've got. Oh, good. Oh, no. Come on, one more. Okay. I wish the battles were this clear. Okay? I wish that the battles were this clear. When you have spiritual fights, I wish that right now, like if you went outside, you saw these little guys outside, and if you saw them, then I tell you, everybody would be running here. I'm going to put on the believer, I'm in the armor, right? How many times would you go outside if you saw this? You would say, hey, there's no way I'm going out 
out of the house without the believer's armor on. You would, no way, now I don't know if this is the devil or whatever, but whatever this is, obviously this is comedic, this is not something that's based on reality, but this is something that you can understand, right? You can deal with this. And I wish you could see who you were fighting. You know, we could put on the believer's armor and we could see these little ghost beings all around us and we would be able to say, this is exactly who you're fighting. All right? The next slide, I'm so glad these are up because I'm going to show you something right now that is going to be, I believe, the most terrifying slide you will ever see here. All right? You might want to cover the eyes, except I know what's coming. This is something that I want you to realize for the rest of your life that I have put on this screen that you need to be afraid of. All right? Ready? Not this one. (laughs) (laughs) I wish the traps were all like this. Here we go. Ready? I wish that we could say there's traps. The Bible talks about traps. This is it. You see what that is? Nothing. This is what we see of Satan demons in actual action. You know, sometimes you see uh, corporate reports. They have this down here. This page left intentionally blank. You see, spiritual forces, demonic forces, we don't see them. We don't see them. I'm going to do it. Wyatt, can you come here? Quinn, can you come here? Just real quick. See, this is the way it works. Stand back to back. You have to take, pretend you have, your, this is you living your life. These two are walking down the street, and I push him. He turns around and says, hey, why did you push me? <laughs> okay? But no, I'm the one that pushed him. They push him. He turns around and says, all he sees is me. He sees him, and he doesn't know that, that I'm the one that pushed both of them. And next thing you know, they're at each other's throats. Right? Go ahead, sit down. Thank you, guys. This is what you have to understand. This is why it's a battle of faith. We, we don't see th- Satan. All we see is this. We see that he's operating behind the scenes. The Bible makes it clear. Satan influences people in the elements of the world behind the scenes. Your battle isn't with people. Your battle is with Satan behind them. The scripture says in verse 12, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the spirit, world forces of this darkness. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, both were using this concept of the king of Tyre and and the kings in those passages to recognize that Satan was the ultimate one behind the scenes. But we see the results of the activity. We see broken lives. I love these images. Broken lives, despair, broken families, suicide, murder, all the things that come along, sexual sins. All of these things happen because of satanic activity and death from all sorts of causes. Murder, suicide, people not taking care of their health. You know, we see the results of it. So here's why I'm trying to say this whole slideshow is why we need to put on the armor of God. If you don't make the resolve today, And you think your life is going, oh, I'm just going normal. You're not. Satan is winning. He's pushing. He's doing whatever it needs to to, to have happen. Can we try to get one more time? One more. What what I want you to see and what I want you to understand and where the next slide was going to take us is, is is the fact that 
Okay. The following are scriptural evidence of Satan's influence in every one of the following. Much hurt comes and often death. I, I was um, doing some study this week, and I, 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 started, I read this one sermon on um, spiritual warfare, and it was interesting because the, the passage was bringing up different accounts of how Satan operates in Scripture. And it was like passage after passage after passage where you find a great story in the Bible and all of a sudden you see Satan's been involved and Satan's been involved. And I just took, get this, 18 of them. And we're not going to do but two or three this morning of where we see Satan come against people. Satan came against Adam and Eve. You jot these down. You go back and you look. Satan comes against Adam and Eve and he challenges them. Has God said is the, in the sense, is that really in the Bible? Should you really do this? Then he, he uses a deceptive form. He comes as a snake. He doesn't come as who he really was. And remember, the snake we think was beautiful based upon our study of Isaiah. I think it was Isaiah Ezekiel. One of the, I, okay? And, 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 and then he, he challenged, the third thing was, was that he challenged God's like, consequence. Would it really happen? Would it really happen? Now, I remember the next slide. The next one was from Job 1 and 2. Okay, and Job 1 and 2 was the fact that Satan came and he accused, whoops, there. He brings false accusations against the believer directly to God. We learn that that's something Satan does. You think that you're in your house and you're getting away with stuff. Satan's watching you. Satan's watching you. Or the hierarchy is, and they're reporting back. And, and, they're, and, and they're coming and saying, hey, God. And then so that allows for whatever opens up for the doors to open up. You think you're getting away with it, but there's a spiritual hierarchy that's watching. They're watching you. And, and, and Satan brought the false accusations directly about Job to God. But we learn from the book of Revelation, this is his ongoing practice. Satan isn't in hell now. He's in heaven He's bringing accusations. Then he incites God. Hey, God, let me te- let, let's test Job. You don't think these hierarchies are working against you? Satan gets people to murder. He gets people to, to kill Job's family. He gets people, he gets, the next one was that he used the weather. Satan was able to bring the tornado and the weather to kill Job's family. Listen, you get the lights, we're done. I want you to understand, I want you to understand, Satan is incredibly powerful. And if you, if you, for whatever reason, think that you can handle this on your own, you're fooling yourself. This man, this being, is diabolical. He he thinks years ahead we're going to go through we'll get this all worked out this week on the slides but i mean there are the thing that hit me with when i went through 18 different cases it's rare that they're always the same he's always coming up with new things or new ways and new approaches yeah it's always against god and it's against his word you can simplify it from that perspective but i want you to fear him He will bring you to your knees, and he will destroy your life. So my thing is, will you today make the commitment?
to say, I am going to regularly think about putting on the armor of God. Because as I read that story from the Civil War, the battle's everywhere. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere for you to go. You don't fight, he gets you. So the question number one is, when we say, verse 10, be strong in the Lord, he's assuming that you're a believer. He knows, the, the Apostle Paul is assuming that you've come to faith in Christ. So I challenge you, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Have you become born again? Have you come to the place where you have confessed Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead and realize it's a commitment where you're born again? Otherwise, your life will be no match for the one who controls your life. Satan, we already saw, or I referenced Ephesians chapter 2, he controls your life. I can tell you, if you're, you feel like you're drowning, this is the illustration of the week, if you feel like there's nothing you can do, like you're a person in the middle of the ocean and you don't have a lifeboat, you can't keep on swimming, that is the perfect place to be. You call out for God and say, God, help me. God, save me. I believe Jesus is God and man who died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I, I need to repent of my sins. I deserve to drown in this ocean. I deserve to die, but I am asking for your help. Cause me to be born again. Help me to have the eternal life that only you can give me. Please. I wish we could have, you know, the one slide where I showed the, the, the person looking through the glass with a shattered eye. I looked all the grave. You know, I, I thought of myself, I thought to myself, you know, I, I could put up slides from failed marriages, sexual immorality, drugs, alcohol, on and on and on and on and on. But my goodness, every one of you should get it. Right? You get it, don't you? The pain, the hurt, where, where, this, is all, where, where this all results. That Satan is real. The this is the product of sin. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, I look at my life, and even as a believer, I say, sin has just been ravaging. He is, it is horrible what it has caused. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to come back. I need Jesus in my life. I need him to cause me to be born again, and that's what you need too. But second, I need to put on this armor. I need to gird myself with truth. I need to practice righteousness. I need to shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel. I need to take up the shield of the faith. And I'm going to ask you to regularly pray through this and say, God, help me to put this on because I'm feeling discouraged. I feel beaten down. I feel like I want to give up. I want to give in to sin. I can tell you, we're going to go back and we're going to look at the book of James. And he talks about you humble yourself and say, I need God's armor basically it, you know, the essence of I humble myself, I resist the devil. Guess what the devil does? He flees from you. And it must be, if he's not omnipresent, that his hierarchy will run from you. I, I got to believe that. I got to trust God. So stand firm. And I wish that I could say, I'm going to stand firm on Sunday afternoon. Monday, everything's taken care of. But it, it, the battle's tomorrow, and the battle is Tuesday, and the battle is Wednesday. It's endless. When's the battle end? The day you die. You know, they've been, they run a lot of shows on cable TV about World War I, World War II. And it always hits me about those last one, you know, the last days of the war, and what happens in the final days of the war. And it, it's always intrigued me about the people who die in the last hour. The war's even over, but it doesn't officially take, a, like, was it 
November 11th at 11 o'clock, right? Um, the reality of it is, is the battle's not over until, for us until we are dead because Satan is going to keep on fighting. And, and, and so this isn't like one Sunday when I say put on the believer's armor and next Sunday we move on to something else. This has got to be a mentality that everything is going to feed back into this because you have this battle that is, is always going to be raging and it's going to be a vicious battle. And Satan doesn't care. He, he's boundless in his energy. He's going to keep coming at you. And I wish, I wish, you know, like World War I and World War II, the 11th hour came and, and the war ended. But this war doesn't end on this side of eternity. So it can be tiring, but God has endless strength. And so when I look at verse 10, to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, God is telling me, this is what it takes, Mike. This is how I empower you. And this is what I tell you, congregation, that I love. Will you do this? Let's pray. Father, I'm asking today that there is somehow, some way, something that's clicked in everybody here that they are going to put on truth. They're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, shod their feet with the preparation of the gospel. They are going to take up the shield of faith. They are going to take up the swords. They are going to do the elements that God wants us to, that God, you want us to do. I pray, Father, because I'm hoping that the imagery and what we have seen and the things that we're talking about, people understand this is real. And I pray that as we come in the upcoming weeks, there's a commitment to come back and to understand the details of how we gird ourselves with truth and practice righteousness and so on. We love you, God. We need you. Life is fragile. Our lives are hurting. We're in pain, God. This is, as Eric Mock said, I feel like sometimes my life is so fragile. My family is so fragile. My children are so fragile. And I feel that too, God. I feel the, the weight of, of how sin at any moment, any time can just discourage us and give us like the sense where we want to just give up. And I'm asking God that if there's anyone here today that is wanting to just give up, that there's a sense where they're going to turn to you and and call out to you the last element of prayer and how prayer is so vital to, to us because I know that you work through that to energize us and to renew us. And if there's our believers here that are in sin, that there's a hatred for that sin today and a sense where they want to run to the light and run to righteousness. Protect us, God, through your armor. And for the unbeliever, God, may they call out to you in faith. Call out and say, I need you to save me, Lord. I see the devastation of Satan in my life. I know, God, that you know the sexual immorality I'm practicing. You know the the lies that I'm telling. You know the the lack of joy I even have in life. You know it, God, and it's all because of sin. It's a sin that I love, and it's a sin I want, but now I'm calling out to you, God, and I pray, God, that someone does that. We love you, God, and I know that you have the power to save. Save that soul today. In Jesus' name.